Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, you're going to learn all about the Blazy Susan. That's right. Not Lazy Susan, the Blazy Susan. Susan. And on the podcast today is the guy who invented it, Will Brakel. Will, it's so great having you on the podcast. Hey, Justin, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Dude, I am so excited that you're here. Um, I was like, okay, Blazy Susan, this is pretty cool, neat idea. And then I started doing some homework, more homework on you and your your company and your product. And I'm like, this is really cool and amazing. And you've gotten some um, like incredible like PR and growth of this brand and whatnot. So I can't even wait to unpack that for our audience today. Um, so before we get to the Blazy Susan, how about share with our audience a little bit about you and your background before starting the company a couple of years ago? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name's Will. I'm originally from the East Coast, a small town in, in called Roanoke, Virginia. And I have a background in business and economics. I actually went to a military college and started getting involved in the cannabis industry Um trading stocks back in 2013. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur all my life, had a landscaping business, started trading stocks, and then basically lost all my money in the stock game. So I (laughs) had to go kind of go back to the real world for about uh, three years. Um, So I moved out to Denver, I I worked for another firm trading their money. Um, And then I decided, um, or they decided actually that I wasn't very good. So they let me go. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so it was a great run, had, had a lot of fun and, uh, you know, wouldn't say that I made a lot of money, but I learned a lot. So after that, I, I got into sales and worked for a small startup that was doing uh, healthcare technology software as a service. And from there was the sort of the, you know, director of business development. I did a lot of cold calling, you know, set up, learned how to set up marketing, CRMs sure. and all that. Yep. Um, and that really kind of set me up for quitting, you know, quitting that day job and and really getting it, you know, on my own. That's that's really cool. And uh, so upfront about you know the, the the successes and failures, and here you have an amazing success with your business. So, talk about Blazy Susan. Talk about where this idea came from and how you originated it. Yeah. So so the idea really came from you know cannabis as as you know it was I I call it a high idea right. So this was something when I first moved I out. Yeah, exactly. It's hilarious. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if you smoke, you know, you, you, you come up with all these, you know, crazy things in your head or you, you know, you come up with funny jokes, but this was just something that ended up sticking. So it was like, I'm first moved to Denver, you know, I've come from a military school. So I had a whole rule book on like how my room should look exactly down like to pictures and everything. So it was very, very strict, very, very organized. And I was in that system. So when I came to Denver and I moved, I moved in with, you know, four other people in a house, I I saw their coffee table and it was just littered with bongs and, you know, a (laughs) of, uh, you know, smoking accessories. So it sort of came on, you know, like a, like a light bulb moment where I got super high, um, because that was the first time I was really smoking, you know, Colorado stuff, which was 
of course, better than what I was able to get in Virginia. And right. the name just basically popped into my head and it was like, hey, let's clean this up. And, <laughs> you know, Blazy Susan was born. So that was back in like 2015. Right. So I, I had the name and we had a concept. I think our original concept was just like a crazy, like in my head at the time, it was like some sort of very, very crazy coffee table with like built-in refrigerators and, you know, just right. crazy yeah, a luxury, lot. you know, thing that just made it like a breeze to keep all your stuff clean and organized. And over the, over the years, um, as I was working my, my day jobs, I kept asking people about the name. I, I talked to people about it. I was like, what do you think? You know, do you smoke weed? And people are like, oh, yeah, I smoke weed. And I'm like, well, what does your coffee table look like? You know, and then they go, oh, well, I don't really want to talk about it. I'm go, I know you're messy, you know? Right. So I would like get in people's faces about it and be like, now what if I could sell you a thing called a Blazy Susan to clean up your coffee table and it cost you, you know, hundred bucks or whatever. And people just slowly started going like, yeah, you know, that would be great. And so it became this thing that was like a side hustle idea right. that I just kind of played around with. And then it just slowly kept ramping up. And I'm like, you know what? Everyone I tell this name to just loves it. So right. maybe I got, it is a cool name. I have it. to say, you know, it's, it is, it's, and it's such a funny play on words that it's just like, right. I was like, I can't believe no one has you know <laughs> taken this name and done anything with it. So I guess I have to. Right. Okay. So I love this. So you're testing out the idea. You're talking to people about this whole, what if I could do this and that? So when did it become a real product? Did, were you doing it on the side as a side hustle before, or did you have it kind of manufactured somewhat or what did it look like at first? Yeah. So at first it was actually just an Ikea lazy Susan and I just drew all over it. <laughs> nice. Um, so it was sort of, you know, very much, um, you know, I was working, I still had a life at that, at that point. So it was very much, you know, something that I wasn't trying to spend a ton of money on. So in 2017, that was really the first year where I actually incorporated it. I started to really spend money on it. Um, you know, taking, I started to take, you know, my PTO for my day job to go to networking Absolutely. events, um, really started to put myself out there. And, you know, my whole background being kind of finance and stocks, you know, I was hoping that I'd be able to, you know, do a Kickstarter yep. or raise money. And, you know, that actually didn't happen. So I ended up sort of having to go the, the, the longer, um, harder way, which I think is actually better for me in the long term. But, um, you know, the ultimate bootstrapping, I guess you could call it. So I quit my job in September and I had about $7,000 in my bank account. Uh, right. Hindsight, very, very dumb and irresponsible. <laughs> um, but I had a business credit card too. So I had, you know, another $10,000. Oh, credit perfect. In that case. Up. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and, and I had a prototype, you know, I, I was able to start prototyping and, you know, from March of 2017 to, you know, September, I was prototyping, you know, I, one of the things that was really cool is because I was working at a startup, I told my bosses what I was doing, you know, I told them about Blazy Susan, and they were very supportive of it. And, you know, encouraged oh, wow. me That's pretty cool. kind of leave. And they were like, Hey, you know, you did a great job. And I learned a lot from them. So it was very cool to kind of be able to transition out of that startup and do my own thing. So I had a lot of, um, you know, I had a lot of really great um, mentors, you know, in that process, which I think was crucial to me actually taking that leap, because that's ultimately like the biggest step is like, you know, do I have the confidence to actually, you know, commit to doing this on my own? So, you know, ended up having a, had a couple of prototypes, you know, and then we had a crazy, um, I call it like the fate, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the moment of, of truth right. where you take that leap and then you get your first sort of like 
the universe putting you in a in a favorable position where you're like, oh wow, this actually right. might work. Okay, so I had that's what I was going to ask you. Actually, funny, that's one of my questions for you. Is like, when did you have that moment? Yeah, so so it was it was crazy, and uh, so so basically, I drove. I, I got invited to a trade show for free. And these people just, you know, we started our whole brand on Instagram. So, you know, everything from our logo to our packaging, it was all crowdsourced. So we would post up different logos. We'd post up our different, you know, rolling paper packaging, as well as our trays. So everything was very much community-based, which I think has helped us, you know, grow to this size because we've been so focused on, you know, building our community and asking them what they want and then delivering. But ultimately, I got invited down to a trade show for free. And that was when I spent, you know, I thought I spent only like 700 bucks on merch. I actually right. spent like three grand on merch. So like, <laughs> it was one of those card, situations of where I go down there and I'm, <laughs> I have a great time. And then I get the bill when I come home and I'm like, oh my God, I'm freaking bankrupt. Right. And <laughs> it was one of those things where one of the, I met one guy down there and his name is Mikey. He has a magazine called Cannabis Cactus. And I bought a $250 ad. I was his first ad that he'd ever sold for his magazine. And I had no money, right? And I had no product, really. Just had uh, prototypes. And one thing led to another. And he actually ended up getting me on CNN for wow. the ball drop. So Jeez. it was sort of like, it was a crazy, like, you know, a Super Bowl ad, you know, but right. more, right? So we ended up being... um you know, we, we got about a minute and a half of live television on CNN, wow. you know, midnight as the ball was dropping. And I had no idea, but he, you know, was on live TV, you know, spinning the tray, giving the whole pitch. Right. And, you know, that's really where um, we took that next jump, which was, you know, this is a concept to now, like, you know, people really believe in it and like the concept and we have real press. So, right. you know, from that moment, you know, that, that guy, Mikey actually was my first investor and he ended up giving me like 25 grand, you know, we didn't even have a contract at the time. So it was very much like a, you know, very like handshake <laughs> vibes were very right, you know, like early right. investor. Um, and that's what really allowed, you know, me to number one, cause I'm like, Hey, you know, now you see that this works, I need money. Cause I haven't, I'm broke. Right. And it's like, we maxed out the credit cards and, and this and that. So that's really when we were able to get our first break, right? We raised $25,000 and, you know, I was able to start investing into new products. Um, one of which were pink rolling papers. So that actually, you know, came in about April of, uh, 2018. So about four months after we got, you know, we blew up on CNN, we started getting the pink papers and, you know, from there that's now become our biggest product. Um, the pink papers, the, the cones and sort of the consumption, you know, consumable products. Um, so, you know, it was very interesting timing with everything and, you know, taking that leap and then finding the right person, you know, that was also basically taking that leap of faith with me. Um, so everything really came together in a crazy time, um, in the right way. So I think that's sort of your, you know, that's your classic like entrepreneurial moment where it's like, you know, you have to take that jump. And I had to quit my job and go to these trade shows and stuff because had I not met this guy and had he not, you know, put me on the, sh you know, on where I was, I, I might've had to, you know, get a job again, you know, or, sure. or give away so, a lot more of my company to raise money. So it was a very right. time. And you so know, what from are there, we've basically been um, bootstrapping. So 
we've raised like a total of about a quarter million dollars over the last wow jeez <laughs> so you know it's been like you know bit by bit brick by brick um and you know fortunately we've been able to really deliver on the numbers for our investors so it's been a very good um and exciting time especially in the last year Okay. I love it. So um, were you prepared for that? So you get on CNN, right? You get this free press, basically, and I'm sure tons of interest. Did you already have product then? Or did you have to like scramble to make product? Or what did that look like? So that's a great question. I did not have products. I had a prototype. And then it got on national television. I'm like, all right, I guess this is what I'm selling. Um, so, you know, we had like a couple different prototypes. And at that point, that was when I started selling my personal property to like start making more trades. So I remember I sold my motorcycle. I had like a dirt bike and, you know, I, I shed the single tier for that and, and, sold it and bought a bunch of walnuts, you know, and, and we started making the trays. Um, but the, you know, the trays there, you know, while they are really like our first real invention that, that sort of like got our brand, um, you know, real attention, you know, ultimately the pink papers is what took us to that next level because we created, you know, the Blazy Susan character who really became, you know, sort of like the spokesperson for the brand. And ultimately she's like the expert, right? So having, having Blazy Susan, you know, showing you how to clean your stuff up, showing you how to do it the right way became this whole, um, you know, the whole brand ideology behind it. And the pink papers were like a natural extension of you know, what would Susan smoke? Right. And, sure. you know, the pink papers also, um, and you know, there's, there's sort of a, 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 you know, effect besides just doing it because we thought Susan would like it. Um, you know, my mother is also a breast cancer survivor. So, you know, being able to sort of give back in the same aspect, um, because it's, you know, it's rolling paper, right? So I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's good for you. And I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, that smoking is, is, is not harmful for your health because it is, but at the same time, you know, we are, we are looking at, you know, making that change and, you know, bringing awareness, right. We can still have fun with it. You know, we love cannabis. It's a great, it's a great plant, but a lot of people use it for medicine and a lot of people, you know, are, are using it for real pain relief. So, you know, that's sort of the activism side that, that I also come from. So it's like a way of bringing the fun side and the serious side together. And, you know, that's really something that we're passionate about as a company. Sure. Love that. Okay. So not everyone listening may be familiar with all the, the cannabis products that you offer. And I know this sounds like maybe funny or dumb that I don't know all of them, but that's because I don't have a, a you know, a dirty coffee table with uh, cannabis smoking items <laughs> all over it. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I should, but I don't right now at least. Okay. So help us. I'm going to walk through your products. Like, can you walk through and sit, tell us what's rolling paper for? What are the pre-rolled cones? Uh, what's a rolling tray? Um, the dab trays. <laughs> can you tell us, just define it for our audience so they all get it? Yeah, yeah. So so ultimately, you know, we're based in Colorado, right? So yep. we're in one of the more uh, advanced markets for recreational <laughs> cannabis. Yep. So what we found you know, talking with people is ultimately we're seeing people are smoking all kinds of stuff here, right? There's so many products in these legal markets. So there, you know, you've got edibles and you've got, you know, you can buy a pre-rolled joint, you can buy just the cannabis flower itself. 
to roll your own joints. Um, you can buy cartridges for, you know, that, that you smoke like little vaporizer cartridges. You can buy concentrate that you put into your own sort of dab rig or, you know, specially focused, you know, device that's is for concentrated cannabis. And, uh, you know, sort of the list goes on, like they even have like medicated ice cream and cake pops and all kinds of stuff out here. So really like the, 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 we started with the trays, right. And the tray was to sort of accommodate all these different methods of smoking, because let's say, you know, you're, you're a medical patient or you're just a normal guy in Colorado or a girl, you know, you might only roll joints when you go to a concert, right. But during the day when you're, you know, doing whatever, you might smoke concentrates or you might do something else. So Got it. we designed these trays to sort of accommodate all the different methods that people are going to be using in Colorado. And, and generally this is just everyone that's in a legal market, right? It, you know, you might buy a little, you know, do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So we tried to make something that can accommodate everything. And that was really the blazy Susan, the spinning rolling tray. It's designed to have it's like a Swiss army knife, right? So you've got silicone, you've got things that are very easy to clean. Um, you have an ashtray that comes with, you have another thing, like a, we call it a dab station, which is basically another silicone piece that you can put like your dab tools, you know? So when you're scooping concentrates or you're having to kind of manipulate this sticky um, wax like substance, you have these little tools and you have things to kind of keep it organized. So there's always a place to kind of return stuff instead of sticking your little, um, you know, putting this little <laughs> sticky tool on your, you know, coffee right. table and get making a mess. You've got a little slot to put it. You got to like put space to hold it. Cleanable. I like that. Um, you know, so that was ultimately what we started with. And, and, and from a product philosophy, we kind of came up with the idea, like, let's, br- you know, everyone's making new stuff, right? People are making new bongs they're making new, you know, vaporizers. They're making right. all these different accessories but there's no accessories to organize those accessories, right? So we we started very simple. We said, we're going to make something that organizes everyone else's stuff, and then we're going to sell you everything that goes onto the tray. Oh, that's so cool. we started with the Great tray, idea. and we built up yeah. um, from products. So you know, I love so we it. With the, with the rolling tray, our next product was the rolling papers. And, you know, from there that branched out to another like 10 or 12 SKUs. So we have filter tips, we've got pre-rolled cones, things that you, um, if you don't know how to roll a joint, all you have to do is just pack it full of your, your cannabis or your flour. And, uh, you know, we also started making other trays. So trays that were more specific to just rolling or more specific to just concentrates. So, you know, we started with sort of an all in one, and then we've been breaking it out um, to be more specific, um, because, you know, s- some people, they want, you know, some of our customers, they have like four or five of these trays, the blazy Susan spinning trays. They've got one in their kitchen. They got one in their, in their living room. They have one in the next to their bed. So you know, there's all kinds of, uh, really, really sophisticated and, and savvy stoners out there that have a lot of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, those are really our core customers. And, and that's what's really been cool about starting with that customer base is because they are the most educated, they are the most aware, and they're the most hip in the market. So that you know, ultimately, we feel like we have a great pulse on on what everything's is happening because we're dealing with sort of like the the high end customers that are you know they're spending that much money per month on cannabis, on cannabis accessories, and you know we found that Denver is a great place to sample that that sort of demographic. 
Wow, very, very cool. That, and thank you for that. I know it sounds kind of silly, but not everybody is an expert in it. Um, but and what a great opportunity to be ahead of the game. I mean, like, as I mean, this market and this, this sector is only going to explode and grow, as we all know. Um, no pun intended. Um, did you already like you mentioned all these other products? Like, how did you figure out how to make rolling paper and like source it or like? the cones or the dab trade like did you have to get someone that knew manufacturing or knew how to do this stuff like how, how did you figure that out yeah so that's that's a great question and i would say that you know i don't have a background in manufacturing right i right. I, I used to fix my own lawnmowers the best i could you know <laughs> so i've been sort of hands-on and i've had an eye and, and sort of a passion for building stuff you know being hands-on you know restoring cars that sort of stuff but for manufacturing, you know, it was very much a learning experience. And I went through the ringer of looking at every method, you know, from the beginning, you know, looking at, you know, going out to networking events, talking to people. Um, I was relentless, you know, in that first four or five months when I, you know, as soon as I was, you know, started my LLC, I, I hadn't quit my job yet. But while I was still, I would call it the side hustle um, phase. I, I really did a lot of networking and I put myself in front of tons of people in the industry, uh, which is a very fortunate thing to do because I am in Colorado, right? So if I was in Virginia, there's no way I'd have the same access to the industry. So I went out and I talked to so many people. I, I made a lot of mistakes and ultimately it was, you know, every, every product has a different approach, right? So for a rolling trays, that's something that, you know, initially I was like, well, can I make them in China? That's the, my cheapest price. Right. I, I paid a firm to develop it for me. And then they were like, well, you know, your minimum order is 60 grand. And I'm like, well, I don't even have it anywhere near <laughs> right. that. So shit, you know, I guess I got to go back to the drawing board. And, you know, so I, I found a guy that basically was doing it in his garage and he had a, a full, like $150,000 CNC machine. And he was an older man. And, you know, I just sort of like was nice enough and so I guess pitiful enough that he, you know, took me under his wing and didn't, didn't, you know, charge me an arm and a leg to prototype. And that's where I started making the first couple trays, um, was here in Colorado. And now I own the machine to, to cut it myself. So we've got our own, you know, manufacturing in-house to a certain extent, um, for our rolling papers, um, that stuff is done in Europe and in India. So the paper is all made by a, a very, very advanced factory, and uh, these guys are, you know, probably one of the three paper mills in the whole world that can make paper this this quality. So, you know, we we get our paper from them. They then ship it to basically a co-packer, and the co-packer, you know, puts it in the booklets. They put our branding on it, and uh, and then we import it. So, you know, we we do business in I believe probably six or seven different countries right now. Wow. And that's been just a learning thing for me. So, you know, it wasn't like all at once, but as we added in one SKU, you know, now I'm talking to this guy, now I'm talking to another factory for another SKU. So, we've we've slowly, you know, expanded and uh and have built this international supply chain that you know, has been very much a learning experience and, uh, and, you know, been very rewarding, I think, as far as, you know, being able to go out and do it yourself, as opposed to trying to just find a firm to, you know, hand you like, a you know, here's what it's going to cost. Right. So sure. I've always been very much uh, a shrewd negotiator and, am, am very much, you know, I, I think built for this, you know, dealing with these vendors, 
you know, basically being on their ass and <laughs> making sure that I'm getting <laughs> the pricing I need because ultimately like that's where, you know, you know, you, that factory might give you one price, you know, they could give you a much better price, but if you don't demand it, they might not give it to you. Right. And so right. we've been slowly building up our demand and our, and our volume for these factories. So now we're starting to get a little bit more purchasing power, a little bit more um, negotiation power. And so we're able to build upon those relationships, you know, get better pricing. And ultimately, um, you know, that helps us expand um, because we are in a wholesale business. So sure. our business model is omni-channel. We sell on Etsy, we sell on Amazon, we sell on our website, we sell to distributors and we sell to retail stores. So we sell, you know, in a lot of different channels, but ultimately our biggest volume is coming from you know, B2B where I sell to a distributor that sells, you know, he might sell like 50 other brands of rolling papers, but he sells, you know, millions of dollars a month of all these different products. So, you know, we're wow. working on building that network. Um, and that's really what has allowed us to expand so rapidly because we have these partners. I, th I think it's awesome. I mean, you're speaking my language and it's just cool to see you weren't even in this industry, you know, for and how you you know you were getting started four and a half five years ago, but now I mean you're just like all in it and ecom and sourcing and suppliers and distributors and it's so cool for those out there that like you know guess what you can bring an idea to life too. And I mean only a couple of years, um, really really cool. Um, you've you've had some really unique marketing wins, I'll call it, or unique PR wins with different celebrities and whatnot. Like, how has that come about? Have you has that been proactive or just like wow, I didn't you know just gotten picked up? What what does that look like? So yeah, so that's a that's a great question. Um, we are, I would say, we are very um, adept guerrilla marketers. Um, you know, I, I think my whole background has just been you know, from landscaping and from cold calling, it's just been getting in people's faces basically and, and convincing them on the spot. You know, it's like, we built this community like face by face, I think, you know, convincing people, giving them product, you know, out, you know, actively doing outreach on like a grassroots scale. And eventually that translated into us building our Instagram following to a certain number that, people started to respect us more. Right. So it's like, once I hit, I remember like once I hit 5,000 followers, I was running this Instagram account, you know, while I was working another job and I'm like, people were reaching out to me like, Oh, Hey, like we want to place an order. We're a shop. And I'm like, wait a second. I don't even have anything. You know, I don't right. have a single product right now, but like I've got a logo kind of, you know, and it's right. like, <laughs> you know, so people started thinking we were real business and that's really another like turning point mentally where I was like, okay, wow, I really should do this because now that you have that social following, um, it, it really gives you the credibility to reach out to these influencers and people that have, um, you know, more following than us per se. But if we can reach out to them and say, Hey, we'd love to send you some product. Um, you know, we don't usually ask, you know, we, we, we would love when people repost us, but ultimately it's just about us really sending stuff out getting the feedback and people end up just loving the product. So they post about it. Right. So we're very much like a shotgun approach. You know, I'll send out a hundred PR packages and, you know, hopefully, you know, they're, you know, I think our, who we're sending those packages to has increased, right? Like two years ago, I was so excited if someone with like 20 or 30,000 followers reposted us because it was like so much bigger than we were. Wow. Um, but now we've got like 75,000 followers. So, you know, we're dealing with people that have millions of followers now and, you know, or hundreds of thousands of followers. And that's sort of becoming like a regular occurrence for us. 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's all been the same strategy. We've just been able to reach larger and larger people um, as we continue to network and build our name in the community. So it's, it's something that is very much like an organic approach. You know, we didn't, we, you know, I, I paid for promo on Instagram pages. Obviously there's tons of um, red tape and being able to advertise, which is like a huge issue, especially when you're just starting up. Sure. So we, you know, I, 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 you know, I'd pay people like a hundred bucks or 150 bucks to post our stuff on their Instagram. And, you know, we started doing some advertising like that. And then we just, you know, we would send out free product. Um, and then eventually what we started doing was we started putting people's faces on the rolling trays and that actually (laughs) ended up being our best, um, marketing tactic, especially for higher end celebrities, because, you know, we have this tray and we can customize it. So if you're an artist or a rapper or another brand, right, we can put your logo in the center of it. And now it's sort of like a, you, you know, it's your tray, right? And people end up, you know, they love the tray, they love the product, but then when their name and their brand or logo is inside of it, right, um, even better, they really take it to the next level, and that's no when doubt. they start posting us. And and you know, we also have our name on there, so it, it's you know, it's all about the cross collaboration and the cross pollinating. Totally, man, I love it. Uh, you've already uh, shared a lot of great lessons learned and experiences with us, um, and I love your authenticity. By the way, your storytelling. Um, I always love to ask our guests like to share one or two of the biggest lessons learned in launching a new brand product package, whatever you want to call it. Um, and what would be one or two additional ones for those entrepreneurs out there that are listening? So, yeah. So especially in the product, um, market, I would say the thing that we have probably done well that I've been tempted to do, but haven't done was, going exclusive with the distributor. Uh, that was something that, you know, basically, you know, it's, it's, it's one of these things where a distributor will come up to a young brand and they're like, listen, we're going to blow you up. You can't sell to anyone with us. And then they get a contract. And then, you know, that distributor might not hold up their end of the bargain or they might put you on the shelf. Right. So for us, we've stayed very independent. Um, we haven't given exclusivity to anybody. Um, we just started doing it like last year, but only like by a state by state basis. So, you know, go very slow. Don't rush into any sort of relationship with distribution unless they are, you know, a very, very legitimate person. Um, but being independent gives you a lot of wiggle room, right? It gives you an opportunity to, to do business with people, find out who they are, if they push, if they really push the product, right. And, uh, and, and just not, not making those commitments too early because, you know, number one, you could be giving a lot of money away, you know, from one aspect. And also, you know, you don't, if you don't know who those distributors are, they can end up really hurting your brand, right? Because they might start undercutting the market and say, well, I just bought a bunch of this stuff from you. Now I want to start selling it 20% under what you, you told me to sell it for. Um, so, you know, just being in any situation where you're fully committed to one party is, is just, I would just say, avoid that if you can. Um, and then the other thing, another lesson too, and just in the product space is, you know, be careful with, with who you give equity to and, uh, and, and, you know, make sure that you're very, um, you know, I, I don't want to stay the stingy isn't the right word, but you have to be protective. Right. So, you know, looking at people to bring on, um, you know, what are they really going to bring to the table? Is it going to be a long-term relationship or is it just, you know, do you want to hire someone and not pay them as much? So I would always recommend, you know, keep that equity tight, keep it close to you. 
Um, because ultimately, you know, if you're doing everything that you should, you know, you're going to, you're going to kick yourself down the road. Right. But at the same time, you have to be open to it. So, you know, don't, don't overcommit and, uh, and, and don't overextend because, you know, if you give away 20% of your company to somebody and, you know, they six months in, they decide they want to go away, you know, you're stuck in now a legal battle and you have a lot of stuff that you, you know, and now you can't sell that equity for money. You might need the money. Right. And then that's how you get, you know, you stay under, um, you know, if you, if you basically lose majority ownership, right. As a startup, that is usually very crushing, right. To a, to a founder to, you know, if you're not profitable and you're not where you want to be yet, and you're, you know, you're, you're approaching losing that majority ownership, that's usually a bad sign. So I would say, you know, be very protective (laughs) of that. Man. Uh, great advice. Um, you know, I, I just, and I love, like, I just love learning from people like you. You have such great knowledge and experiences and like, it, it's, it's, it, you know, everybody's path is different and yours is so unique and really cool. I hope you'll um, come back on down the road as you continue to grow this brand and all of the um, products associated with it. Um, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, buy the product, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, you can find us on Instagram at Blazy Susan. So it's just like a lazy Susan with the B in front. And uh, we also have a website, blazysusan.com. You can look us up on Etsy as well. Um, but yeah, we are, we are Blazy Susan. So if you, if you throw it in Google, we will, we will come up first. Awesome. I love it, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Will. Like I said, you got to come back on down the road. I mean, so fun. I can't believe 30 minutes has flown by. Um, and I really appreciate you being here. And like I said, uh, excited for you and the brand and um, stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Justin. And, uh, and yeah, have a great rest of your day. Appreciate you guys having me on. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.